Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. And with today's episode, we're teaming with PRC. This podcast is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. Welcome back to Healthcare Experience Matters. Today we have joining us Michelle Spurlock, Vice President of Nursing Services at Acadia Healthcare. Michelle, please just introduce yourself and tell our listeners about your professional background and what your current role with Acadia Healthcare entails. Sure. First of all, let me tell you a little bit about Acadia Healthcare. So we are, our office is in Franklin, Tennessee, and we are the largest um, healthcare company that focuses only on behavioral health. So we have 239 facilities across the country. That's 39 states, including um, San Juan. We have acute care hospitals, residential treatment center um, facilities for treatment of of adolescents, and we have our recovery programs, and then we have our comprehensive treatment centers that focus on opioid addiction. So um, I'm proud to say that my entire 37 years of nursing is in behavioral health. I think from the moment I was in nursing school, my my, um, teachers even knew I was going to be in behavioral health because I remember being pulled aside at one point. They said, oh, you're one of those. And I didn't know what that was at 19 years old. And they said, well, you're a psych nurse. And so went into um, psychiatric nursing, obviously spent a number of years working the floor and then very soon evolved into various leadership roles, charge nurse, house supervisors, um, and then, you know, director of nursing and um, have worked in a variety of healthcare settings. My home is Louisville, Kentucky. So probably the first, I don't know, 19 years of my career were in settings in Louisville. And then over the last part of my career, I've worked with various healthcare companies um, in various leadership roles. And, you know, currently, you know, I support I can't possibly visit all those facilities, but I support the nursing leaders and the facility leaders of all the facilities to look at um, ways to improve patient care, patient safety, uh, provide mentorship to new nursing leaders. And um, we are in the process of opening hospitals. So it's great to be able to be a part of a company where we're opening hospitals to increase access to care for behavioral health. That is excellent. And before we talk more about elevating the patient experience in behavioral health, why don't you tell our listeners something unique about you that we wouldn't find on your CV or resume? Well, for those that do know me, they know that besides being passionate about psychiatric mental health nursing, I love music. And actually, when I was in nursing school, I took voice lessons into classic Italian opera of all things. But for the last eight years, um, I have been in a band with my husband. And so he is, um, we've been married for about 35 years. And so we're in a blues band together. So uh, about once a month, I get to have my music therapy. So it's been uh, a fun way to kind of um, deal with my own mental health. That is very cool. And so, uh, you know, behavioral health, you've said earlier that people kind of called it out early that that was going to be your calling. So what brings you the most joy when it comes to your work in behavioral health? Why did you choose it or why did it choose you? As long as I can remember, it, even in school, people would talk to me, you know, whether it be a school bus People tell me about their challenges or difficulties with boyfriends. And then, like I said, in nursing school, you know, my patients 
would would tell me things that they hadn't told their doctor. I think of uh, one in particular, a 13 year old who who tells me as her nursing student that she's tried to commit suicide because she was having some sexual identity issue, had never told anyone. So here's a nursing student asking a psych consult. And it was after that one that the nurse, my instructor pulled me aside and said, you know, that was one of those. So, you know, I went into behavioral health, you know, all areas of healthcare are, are important, but I look at the holistic part of behavioral health. You know, when people are coming to you, they're coming to you at their most vulnerable point. Um, when you think of someone who has lost their um, desire to live, they see no reason for them to continue to live. And when you're able to work with them and the families and see somebody come through that and have, you know, a reason to live again, I mean, it's pretty rewarding. You know, when you're looking with the families who, who then tell you later on, thank you, because, you know, you were part of giving them their loved one back. You know, when you look at the impact of mental illness on not just the individual, but their family, the neighbors, their community, um, for me, that's just really a, a huge mission. And earlier in my career in the 90s, hospitals were closing their psychiatric units. There was, you know, managed care, care had come into place and facilities were closing their units. Even mine in Louisville, you know, went from having three inpatient units gradually, you know, reducing the sizes. So now in my current role, while I'm not doing as much direct patient care, you know, to be a part of, you know, building a new hospital and, and bringing access to care and sometimes in remote areas that haven't had that access and to know that we're I'm having, you know, indirectly the impact on so many people. It's just really rewarding. As far as you see it, Michelle, tell us about what are some of the most pressing issues right now that are impacting patient care. Well, the last three years has been quite challenging for all of us, right? I mean, when you think about COVID, and when you think about uh, those who have mental illness, it has, they already struggle with access to care or being isolated to begin with, but COVID really forced that more. And so I think that, you know, we're, we're seeing, and, and you see it in the news, the increase in suicide rates. Um, I think that one article I read that um, from the, um, U.S. Center for Disease Control was like, there's one death every 11 minutes. And so in the United States, and then when you couple on top of that, there were, was it over 100,000 overdoses? So, you know, that's huge for our country. And again, there's just such a, a need for services. Then when you look at the child and adolescent needs, again, with COVID, for many children and adolescents, especially that are part of dysfunctional families, or families that have various challenges, school was their safe place, right? So you knew that, you know, for some that were maybe struggling financially, that's where they, they got their meals, um, you know, at least had some sustenance. Um, but for those that maybe had family members um, that struggled with mental illness, you know, they were, they were, they didn't have a safe place anymore. So I think that's something that we're seeing. Um, I know we see that in terms of increased need for services and we need more behavioral health nurses. Um, you may not realize that only three to 4% of nurses go into psychiatric mental health nursing to begin with. And I, I know, I mean, I, my situation was unique. My teachers told me to, that was you know, a long time ago, but I think that there's this thought that, Oh, I got, I have to have medical surgical experience first. Um, but if you're someone that's really geared towards that aspect of taking care of someone's mental health and, you know, you're just, you know, the medical side isn't for you. I would just encourage nurses, if that's your passion, 
to really go into mental health nursing because people are afraid of losing their skills. But, you know, patients more than ever have medical comorbidities. And so I need people, you know, you're not going to lose your skills. You still have those assessment skills. But again, I think you have that holistic approach. But when you look at the retirement, I mean, a lot of nurses are my age. You know, I'm not so close to retirement, but, you know, we, we need more nurses in behavioral health to, to handle the, the needs that are you know, becoming more and more apparent. So we love talking about engaging the workforce here on this podcast. What are some of the more important focus areas that might impact having an engaged workforce in behavioral health? Well, again, since three or 4% go into behavioral health, we need to keep everybody that, that does go into it. So engagement's never been more important. Um, you know, I was really lucky early in my career. I trained with Quint Studer. I don't know if some of your listeners, you know, the Quint Studer and, and looking at um, hardwiring excellence. But, you know, we talked about engagement then and the same principles hold true today. I mean, I think people want to be um, heard. They want to be valued. They want to know that they make a difference. And one of the things that, um, you know, I still do today that was taught when I worked with the, the student group was looking at rounding with a purpose. So, you know, if, um, you know, I were rounding, you know, on you, you know, I'd be like, hey, Casey, hey, can we talk for a few minutes? And you go, okay, we, we, we talk. And I'm like, what's working well right now? How are things going for you? Is there anything that's not going well that I should know about? Do you have the tools to do your job? You know, is there anybody that's done anything extraordinary that you'd like for me to recognize, you know, or, um, to, you know, to talk to? And is there anything else I need to know? I mean, it's a really quick conversation, but and it doesn't have to be in an office or anything scary, but then I follow up with you. And I'm like, hey, Casey, I want to let you know, thank you so much last month for telling me about X, Y, and Z that, you know, you didn't have. We've ordered it. We have it now. So I think that, you know, when you have that level of engagement and communication and visibility, um, it makes a huge difference. And, and with rounding with a purpose, for example, if I'm coming to you on a regular basis asking for your input, you're much more likely to come to me, you know, yourself when there's an issue because you know that I'm going to follow up with it and it matters. And so, you know, those are fairly simple things um, that I don't think we do a really good job with. And we also don't reward and recognize people. It, we're so fast paced in healthcare and there's so much going on. And, you know, we may have surveyors coming in for regulations. We're focusing on doing things right. And, um, but we need to focus on rewarding people when they are doing things right and celebrating your wins along the way. And I think that's another way to keep your team engaged um, because, you know, people still say that folks lose, leave their manager, right? It's kind of like the person they work with directly. So that's just how I try to coach the nursing leaders that I work with. Some amazing points are being made on this interview and I want to move on now. So tell us about some of the important focus areas that impact the patient experience in behavioral health. What is the saying? You only have one chance to make a first impression, you know, and, um, you know, as I stated earlier, when people come to you in behavioral health, they're at their most vulnerable. Um, and so it's important that you um, are aware that every single interaction that any employee in your hospital has could be the one that makes a huge difference. I mean, when someone's walking in the front door of your hospital, one, people typically don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, I think I'm going to go to a psychiatric hospital. You know, I mean, something's been going on with them that sometimes it's not voluntary, but when they come into the hospital, those the people that they meet, you know, are they um, 
welcoming? Are they kind? You know, are they, um, you know, speaking directly to you? I don't care how many admissions maybe you've had at the hospital for that day, but at that moment in time, that patient, that family needs to be the absolute focus of your attention. Uh, because again, maybe the person is suicidal. They've, they've had an overdose or maybe their mental health, their mental illness is out of control. They've been off of their medication. Um, so I think that that's really important. Even though it's gotten better, I think there, there's still a stigma in behavioral health. Um, there are still, you know, the hesitation for people to seek treatment. Um, you know, I know that when I look at working with older adults, you know, part of my career worked with, with that population exclusively, but I remember that, you know, men over the age of 65 are more common for completing suicide. And, and when you look at a high percentage of them saw a medical doctor within 30 days of their suicide, you know, you know, it's really staggering to me. So I think that we have to be a safe place and be very aware of our interactions with the patients. Um, I think also then what plays a big role in it is the environment. Um, years ago, the psychiatric hospital of the past could have looked pretty sterile. Um, and so in terms of the hospitals I know that we're building, really focus on daylight, making sure that the environment is homey, it feels comfortable. You, know, you want people to feel safe. And so a lot of what we're doing in the environment for that patient experience, you know, is, is providing for that safety too. And so if you do any type of patient satisfaction surveys, which again, most of us do, you're looking at um, commonly the patients responding to, did I feel safe? Was that involved in my care? Was it explained to me the whys? Um, and again, in behavioral health, I mean, I know when you go into a medical hospital, some of your belongings are taken away, but in behavioral health, that's really, I mean, so much is taken away for safety that I think it's important that we explain that along the way so it's not so scary. It's like, hey, I'm going through your belongings because I want to make sure there's not anything that you could, you know, use to hurt yourself. You know, we want you to be safe here. So it's, again, explaining the why, treating the patient with, with dignity and respect, um, and then having a inclusive, robust therapy program. I mean, in behavioral health, but when someone comes to the hospital, I mean, it's more than, you know, seeing the doctor and, and um, being in a safe place and taking medication, but making sure that you have programmatic seven days a week, you know, that it's throughout the day that, you know, we're focused on um, helping the patient learn skills to help them re-engage, you know, at home when they're discharged. Michelle, this has been a great Great conversation. And I'm going to give you the final word. So if there's anything else that we had missed that you wanted to mention for our listeners, you know, feel free to let us know now. Um, you know, my career, one of the things I've found is that people who are drawn to work in the behavioral health field have had their own personal experiences, whether it's their own personal, you know, dealings with, you know, mental illness or substance use disorders or family. Um, and so when you work in the field, we have to realize that sometimes working with patients or, you know, family members that are a little bit too close to our own experience can be really triggering and can cause people to have their own, you know, kind of like flashbacks or issues. So I think it's really important that we take care of our own mental health and that we take care of each other. Um, you know, when we go into healthcare, we want to take care of others and we can be so focused on that, that we forget to take care of ourselves. 
And, you know, I think that's become even more apparent as you look at COVID and how hard people have worked in the nurses and everything, and they're dealing with their own PTSD from those experiences. So I'm glad to see that there's more discussions in the media about taking care of yourself and mental health in hopes that that, again, further destigmatizes it so that we, we, we are taking care of ourselves. And I just think that's something that we need to remember to do and to be looking at the folks that we work with and and know what we need to say, hey, I think, you know, let me help. Let me support you. Michelle Spurlock has been our guest today on the Healthcare Experience Matters podcast, talking about behavioral health. And Michelle is the vice president of nursing services with Acadia Healthcare. Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation with today's episode teaming with PRC. To learn more, visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.